0: In three, two, one.
1: John, are we live? We are live. Holy smokes. Our first ever live streamed Wheelhouse. Welcome guys to our first episode that's actually live streamed. We've recorded a couple, pre-recorded a couple, and now we're going to go live. So I'm going to reintroduce myself for those of you that don't know me or end up watching this back when we do our thousandth show like Joe Rogan and... John and I are famous. Uh, My name is Mo Dodka. I'm the uh, owner and attorney at the Dodka Law Group. I am an owner and realtor at Main Street Real Estate Group, the CEO of a new tech company. The only reason I say that is because I am a passionate entrepreneur, and the idea of being an entrepreneur is what kind of launched Wheelhouse. John and I wanted to showcase local entrepreneurs, business owners, charities, comedians, just local influencers who can teach you guys things, teach us stuff, just talk about their struggles, successes, and just get local influencers on the show to talk to you guys in a TV show-esque netcast. So it's going to be one guest bring on a second guest we're going to have a roundtable discussion about a various amount of different topics and today's first episode is going to be Facebook live YouTube live and I think anywhere else we can go live so I've introduced myself my partner in this is John Lally John can they see you back there?
0: Uh, they can see us both right now. How are you doing, Mike? Oh, cool.
1: So I got to like make sure I'm on screen. I'm not you, off right now. Exactly. I can't do anything we're crazy with my hands. We're having fun. Um, so John is going to be the guy behind the cameras. He's the director and producer of the show. I'm going to be hosting it, and we're at least going to have two guests on every time. Today, our first live show, we got two amazing guests. They also happen to be two pretty good athletes, so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Our first guest is Ryan Cotter. He's smiling. Ryan Cotter is a mortgage professional. He is also the creator of the Real Estate Rumble, which is the first charity we're going to be showcasing. The Rumble is going to be on May 17th. If I screw these dates up, let me know, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, And our weigh-in is next week, April 18th, at Bottle Blonde. The Rumble is something John and I are really, really passionate about. It's one of Chicago's leading charities. It raises a crazy amount of money every single year for the kids. I think it raises more money than any real estate-related charity in Chicago, and we'll talk about that in a second. It's amazing. And John and I have been involved in it for the last couple years now. I boxed in it three years ago. Um, John has been filming the Real Estate Rumble and the show itself for a couple years, so we love it. We love what you guys are doing. And welcome to our first live show, Ryan Cotter. Oh, and before I let him speak, he also <laughs> has an issue with, and I don't know who it is, the National Boxing Association. They're definitely not listening, but if they listen back when we're famous, yeah. Cotter has an issue with his 1994 boxing ranking. <laughs> he was not happy about the fact that he was ranked number four, and we'll talk about that in a second.
0: It's actually the National Collegiate Boxing Association, the NCBA. But that's, here are they, they are still around from go. 1994? I've let, I've let it go. You let it go? Let it go. I don't <laughs> think he has let, let it, go. it go. i let it go. What's going on? Nothing. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming. Yes. So tell us about the Rumble.
0: Uh, your, your dates were correct. I was going to write those down for you. The weigh-in so is Put May them 18. up in front of my yeah. face. Yeah. <clears throat> May 18th. I'm oh, sorry. I messed it up. <clears throat> April 18th is the weigh-in event at Bottle Blonde, and then the actual event itself is May 17th at the Park West. Tickets are available at ChicagoRealEstateRumble.com. www.ChicagoRealEstateRumble.com. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: this is your which year doing it?
0: it is our fifth year here in Chicago and we're going to be doing uh, our second year in Los Angeles
1: and Miami's next year, right? Because we had Albron on mm-hmm. Albron Hannah a couple weeks ago and he was doing
0: the uh, pre-recorded wheelhouse and he said Miami's looking good for next year. Yeah, we've actually had a bunch of interests um, in Boston Minneapolis Albron's down in Miami, um, so it, there, there would definitely be another city next year for sure which one it is we just see how it goes albron will just up and move to wherever the heck you want him to go to yeah, to set up i don't think he'll one. move to boston though
1: no 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 you he'll go back to vegas maybe he'll vegas, go someplace warm ba-
0: we've talked about vegas yeah
1: maybe austin someplace warm but he's not you if you yeah. send him up and cold Northeast, he's like, yeah, not it's not gonna it. work for him no maybe new york maybe new york's probably well, you have a lot of boxers. interest
0: in new york as well and there's you know my 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 micro and macro plan for the charity event is to have you know uh, one in every city that didn't have a, a championship in las Vegas, so it 's about a five year goal, so how we get there is is going to be kind of interesting. New York has a lot of charity boxing events already, so it may be one of those that are on or off the table, or we partner up with one of their charity events and basically form that that 's why I formed the Yeah, the National Real Estate Boxing Association to be like a an umbrella over this. So if somebody else is you know duplicating what I'm doing someplace else, like Canada. (laughs) Yeah, we we heard
1: there's a hey if you're listening, Canada, who's trying to rip off the Chicago Real Estate Rumble? Ryan Cotter knows you're trying to rip him off, and he's coming up to Canada. Yeah, you Canadians. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. And I know last year you guys raised almost 100,000 bucks for charity, which is incredible because I've done a couple of charity events here in Chicago and they've been successful real estate related ones. But it's really difficult in one night to mm-hmm. come up with that much money. Where does the money go and how have you guys gone from kind of the new kids on the block to now obviously raising almost six figures in uh, in a single night?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been awesome. And we've, we've experienced like exponential growth every year. Uh, this year we're... Uh, incorporating the the formation of a board, you know, because it's really just been me and Elbron and you know Greg at sometimes you know chipping in and getting you know and you guys a lot of volunteer work that you know it came from our first year we raised five thousand dollars. It's crazy. And now again six figures and you know multiple multiple cities. We need to get more um, you know focused on it, and that's what we're doing. We've got a lot of. People like yourself involved, so yeah, you know, it's it's been fun, and it's been I wouldn't say super easy, but it's definitely been it's it's been fun. That's all I could say. I'm like, you know, I've, I've made great friends. The people that have you know participated in it, from the people that have fought to the people that have volunteered, you know, I've, they've become friends. You know, yourself, Elbron, oh my you know, buddy, my uh, friend. Uh, I was just we we're just looking at pictures of you, uh, you know, holding the mitts for my. My little boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah He's adorable. adorable. Yeah. So it's, it's been awesome. I mean, I use the term socialpreneur, right? Yeah. And I think everybody needs to incorporate that into their life as a part of giving back. If you feel like you're blessed, if you're grateful, the attitude of gratitude, right? Uh, do something that you enjoy. It won't seem like work, and you'll be able to give back to the community. Boxing's always been that for me, and, you know, talking smack to, you know, you know real estate agents. So combine the two, voila. Perfect. Uh, when did you start boxing? Because you said it was a passion. Yeah, so you started I started when, you started when you I was like 12, I think. I did the silver gloves, golden gloves, kept in the college boxing team, did a bunch of, uh, like me and Lawrence were talking about, you know, charity events, you know, to stay in shape. Um, so been, been active, kind of fell off the Fell off the the bench for a little while there. With no, the, it wasn't so boy. bad. I, I went a couple rounds with, with Cotter on Sunday, uh, so I'm trying to turn the ship around. I mean, you know, pants are getting tight, you know, and so there's there's no, there's no more notches in the belt. Yeah, so I gotta start working out.
1: Well, I just I had got to the point. I was telling John before uh, the show started. I had gained like thirty pounds and. I buy my suits nice yeah. and slim yeah. so that if I gain too much weight, I let myself know I can't just go buy fat suits now. Yeah. I have to lose weight to get back in my yeah. normal size suits. So I, I just like lost 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. So now I can – John
0: probably can't see this in video, but I can actually button this suit. Mm-hmm. I, I hid that intentionally. <laughs> yeah, you moved it up. <laughs> we did. I'm um, the same we, way. Like when, when it comes to – like that's my that's my trigger. Like you know, I'm not buying pants that are – Larger size than the ones that I, I'm not. I'm not getting new pants. Yeah. So yeah, you're They're almost tight. there, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you shouldn't have a Mexican buffet like you had on Sunday. So Ryan came in
0: to high five. I didn't think I was going to spar. I was just coming there to you know, to, to move. Jump around. rope. Yeah. I didn't
1: think I was going to spar a big guy either. We yeah. we I got there. I was looking for a guy who was 155 pounds, and then Coach Quick was like. Uh, he didn't show up. Uh, you want to move around forty percent speed with a guy who's two hundred and fifty-five pounds? I was like, yeah, for forty percent speed, I got a bad back, and he, <laughs> he hits like a Mack truck, and then you came, and I was like, thank God, something closer to my side. Just before size.
0: that, um, you know, went to brunch and crushed a, a Mexican buffet and two margaritas. That that, that was that's, not that's a recipe. That's I mean, any time you want to you know spar, that's like legitimately what they tell you. you know, do not do this. Don't eat don't do a don't Mexican eat. buffet don't before Mexican you spar. <laughs> um, so tell me, when did you get into
1: lending? How did you get into the lending side of the world?
0: Um, I'd always wanted to own property, and an internship in college um, introduced me to the lending the lending aspect. And then the light just went off. I was like, "Oh, I want to borrow a lot of money. Why don't I just borrow it from myself?" So got a job working for a, working for a small financial institution. Help pay my way through college and all the fun stuff associated with it and then I actually finished school early or uh, I should say that I left school one semester early so that I can just start working when I talked my employer into letting me take classes at night just to get the degree because I wanted to get to work right away. I just wanted you know I wanted to buy property. I wanted to buy real estate. So That's
1: awesome. Yeah, that's fun. And uh, you didn't mention it, but you told us off air you were a cowboy at one point.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So this is real? You actually like yes. were a cowboy?
0: You rode yeah. the horses? I've and- had just a bunch of different jobs. And in college, I used to take semesters off. College was not a race for me. It was a series of baby steps, right? Okay. So I would go to school for a semester, usually the, you know, the, the spring semester, because that's when the boxing would, would take place. But then I'd take time off and I'd go do fun jobs. You know, So I was a cowboy for one year. You know? uh, I worked in you know, all kinds of resort towns. That's awesome. A, I was a ski bum. No, that's awesome because you you gain an appreciation for hard work
1: when you have to work a ton of different jobs. I remember when I was a kid, I did college pro painting. Mm-hmm. I delivered food. I worked at a catering company. Eventually started personal training, went to law school and stuff. But I worked a lot of odd jobs that made me appreciate how much hard work goes into actually making money. Oh, yeah. I remember my dad used to be like, you make two dollars, maybe you take home a dollar. And I never understood that concept. I was like, wait, how does that work? I make two dollars, I don't actually take two bucks with me. And he's like, No, 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 you make two bucks, you might have a dollar left over and now fast forward, yeah, you know, twenty, thirty years. I always years I had it. at
0: least two jobs cool. in college. Like even when I was you know um you know training on the box team, I, w- I was like a waiter on the weekends yeah and then you know school so i always had like i always had like legitimately three things going at once
1: Nice. What's going on with the Cotter? Do you call it the Cotter Group, Cotter Team, Ryan Cotter Group? <laughs> no, the, we don't call it the. What do you call it? The, 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 the Ryan the Cotter group. Company. What the do you call it? the group? With one person. Yeah, that was me <laughs> when I first opened my law firm. It was I was like, do I do Dotca Law Dotka Law Group? And yeah. if you remember, I, I don't know if you watched Entourage, yeah. where E had his group and right. it was a group of one. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when I did the Dotka Law Group, my buddies were like, "Hey, did you hire somebody?" And I'm like. No, it's just me. And yeah. I'm like, group sounds like it's powerful. It's just me, yeah. and me was the group. And now we have two people, and we're hiring a third. So now we're legitimately like a group. Because yeah. even two, I'm like a duo. Yeah. It's like the Dotka Law Duo, and now I'm like a group. Can I, can I
0: make that your official nickname, Law Group? The
1: Law Group? Just yeah, Law yeah. Group. Like, law so Group? Like
0: when we're sparring, and like I'm, I'm trying to instigate you to hit me harder, I'm like, come on, Law Group. Yeah, yeah, come, come on, on, Law, law Duo. That'll <laughs> piss me off. Come on, Law One-Off person. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um, so what's going
1: on with the Cotter team group person? These, these are
0: good. what <laughs> aspect, again, I always have three things going on. So that could be the family, that group that could be, you know, the, the work, uh, the work group. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with you guys? Oh, we're going great. I like, I'm part of a joint venture with, um, with the, the Conlin real estate group and cool. It's going awesome again, you know, surrounded by good people. So it's fun. You know, I like getting into, into the office early. I just, I, I'm in tunnel vision. I, I don't get up for lunch, you know, and I'm I'm there and banging it out, and then I'm I'm clocking out at five thirty to run home to the little guy. Yeah, because that's uh, that's the big thing is, and and
1: Lawrence is going to be on a little bit. He's getting married soon. I am like a madman when it comes to working, and I want to have Mm -hmm. kids. Like for me, like I I want to have little kids, but my work is so bad. I got to set myself up in a way so that eventually. I have the ability to walk away at 5.30 and go home. Because right now I'm working till like 9, 10, mm-hmm. 11 o'clock, yeah. working out, then working till 2. If I had a kid, that would never work. So has that recently happened? Because I know you're relatively a new dad, a couple mm-hmm. of years in, um, where you go home at 5.30 now and you've kind of set
0: that as the hard stop so you can get home and play yeah, with the little guy. Yeah, you have to do that. And, and it's... Um, it's, a, it's a, you, you find you, when, you're, when you do that, you actually become more productive in that time when you're on, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you know, and people respect it. Yeah, you know, I tell them like, hey, you know, I love spending time with my family, so I'm going to be available from these times. You know, um, and you respect that, and I respect you. So call me during the time. You, you, I mean, if you can call me during that time, I'm right. I'm not not going to be like mad at you, but just know you you might not you more than likely not going to get a hold of me. If you do get a hold of me, it'll be a surprise. But yeah, you're not going to get a hold of me. That's important. It's uh. You know, Set expectations
1: yeah i i listened again sec, second guest here gave me a uh recommendation to listen to tim Ferriss's. Ju- yes. you know how to say no tim Ferriss. i think it was it was how to say no yeah. and i've been trying my best to do that because i'm very bad at time management and work-life balance mm-hmm. so i just say yes to almost everything and i've been trying to say no to certain things so that's good did you like was the kid the deciding factor? Like I got to say no to people because in our business, in no, real estate in general, happen.
0: it didn't. Ha- it happened um, probably. It had to be like right after hearing something of of that same situation with with Tim Ferriss, and then I have also listened to Tim Ferriss a, a, as well. But really, when you when you're trying to develop professionally, you listen to a lot of you know experts, right? right. And sometimes they sink sink in. Sometimes they don't. There's the old adage, you know when um, when the student wants to be taught, the teacher appears, so you, you basically got to want to do it right, so when you want to turn it off because you have something else and it, it wasn 't i 'd say probably until about a maybe a year and a half ago that that resonated with me, and I started to begin to implement it because it 's not going to happen overnight right right you know, it's, it 's it's, it's still not you know one hundred percent with me because you know you, after you get home you know you start with that stage of you know, all right i'm just gonna make phone calls in the car till I get home and then you're at home and then you're disconnected you know and you need 30 minutes to decompress and everybody wants to jump on you so you gotta you, know, you, you get better at it so where you know the last you 10-15 know, minutes of the car ride i'm focused on getting into the house being super happy and being energized with them nobody wants to see me come home and be like well ah.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Especially so, wife and kids definitely no, don't want to no, see that. They,
0: they don't they don't have that type of energy. They want they, right. they want dad coming in smiling, happy, which that's what I am, but I just you gotta you got to cut it out at a certain point so that you can focus your energy on the next task at hand.
1: Yeah, that's the toughest thing for me is just separating work from life because I always let it spill over at home for me. So Mm -hmm. not in a sense that I come home just like angry, but we're in the type of business where everybody (laughs) wants you right when they want you. And um, it's tough – to just always be present with people at home because everybody's messaging you and I need help, I need this. Everybody's deal is the most important deal to them in that moment in time and they yeah. expect you to have that level of care for every deal. And you can, but without jeopardizing your Happiness at home, so that's good that you're doing that. If you had a piece of advice for people who are listening, because we want to give you guys advice um, as much as we can on the show. If you had a piece of advice for somebody trying to get into kind of a business workforce, be a business owner, what would that one piece of advice be, or a couple pieces of advice?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the main thing is, but just like I was saying, you know, be a student. Understand that you, know, if you're just coming into the workforce. You know, you're not done learning it's just like the beginning of the you know the beginning of the, the your, your journey college teaches you you know techniques to learn right that you're gonna improve upon so embrace that you know, find out who you want to emulate who what person that you want to be exactly like you know find out what they did do the exact same thing get a mentor and there's probably you, a huge percent of chance, 90, 95 plus that you'll achieve it. If you did exactly what that person yeah. did, like I say it all the time, like you, you want to be on Trump? Well, you know, he had a, like a background, obviously had hundreds of millions of dollars. For those of
1: you listening, I don't want to be exactly like him. There's aspects. I'm just so kidding. I know. I know what you're saying. If
0: you do what, what he did every day, if there was a book that told you what he did every right. day, every second, and you did everything that he did every minute, every second, you know, you end up, Pretty close to where yeah at. there's no it's not rocket science it's yeah. just you know discipline to do the same things over and over again getting a coach you know i think you should have multiple coaches you know you got like a I personal trainer you know you got a, you know you could have a like a pastor or a priest spiritual leader you know you could have a you know mentor an older gentleman for you know the you know whatever season of life you are in you know life so coach. if you're younger you know, probably get somebody you know, like in their thirties or forties to mentor you. You're right. not gonna, you know, and you're not gonna get like an eighty year old guy. You know? Right. But if you're in your forties, you know, your mentor's not gonna be you know, fifty six years old. It's gonna be somebody at the at the at the, the final seasons, right? So, like,
1: <laughs> all of the, all of you guys listening, <laughs> past your sixties, you're in the final season yeah, according I mean, to Ryan <laughs> Cotter. <laughs> <laughs> seasons are about to end for you.
0: Yeah, but that, that, that's great advice. That, that's the one thing that you know I didn't do enough of. That I'm trying to make up for now. Yeah, read a bunch of books. You know, yeah, we talked about you know uh, with with audiobooks now. I mean, you could just just punish audible. Books. Yeah, crush them right. So you know the old edge of not being able to read fast. I mean, in audible, you can speed up the books right. So right. you finish the book in half the time.
1: Yeah, I, um, I I love that. I tell everybody the path to success is out there, and you just have to learn it and imp- apply it consistently. All the time. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I, I tell our real estate agents when we are coaching and training, guys, you want to be the best agent in Chicago, the really good agents, what they do is out there for you to learn. And it's the same thing with basketball. You want to learn how to be the best basketball player? Mm-hmm. Figure out what Michael Jordan and LeBron James did, right. you know, and implement it. So I love that. I love that you use Audible because I'm in the car a lot, so I use Audible a ton. And uh, this might be the perfect segue, John, to our next guest because he is maybe the guy who motivated me the most, him and our jujitsu coach, Jay Valco, actually, to read more, and I got Audible because of him, and I'm listening to a bunch of books because of him, but I want to give him the proper introduction. Our second guest is uh, none other than we nicknamed him, I think females nicknamed him Stunning, Lauren Stunning. Um, He happens to be- He named himself, (laughs) come on now. (laughs) He's about as humble (laughs) as a guest. Definitely not true. (laughs) He's one of my closest buddies and a guy I look up to very, very much. He's like a big brother to me. He also happens to be uh, my friend with the best work-life balance. And we were just talking about that, me and Ryan. And you're going to have a lot of great say on this. And um, he's just done a really incredible job of being super successful retiring himself and living a life he wanted to live and coming back to the workforce and again becoming super successful in his you know second or third career and um, just want to hear what he has to say about it what's up buddy stunning penny hey.
2: I'm I'm honored to be here the first live show
1: Thanks buddy Thanks we're we're you. honored to have you he's always dressed casually in his wish- Washington DC jiu-jitsu shirt
2: I think the key to success is uh, as Joe Rogan says, not being forced to be in a monkey suit, uncomfy. You should better be a bit more casual. But I right, will put I'm, a, I'm, taking, I,
1: I'm taking my jacket off right now. John's I, like, now I'm switching off. I will s- put camera. a collar
2: on if I'm taking a guy out who's buying a billion dollar condo. But apart from that, it's, <laughs> it's reluctant.
1: So you half million dollar buyers, you will see jujitsu uh, Lawrence Dunning, not not the collar Lawrence Dunning. This, this is true. <laughs> so everybody can tell you're British already because we, we heard the accent. Um, when did you come to the U S actually don't think I even know that.
2: Um, yeah. So I got a job out of college trading and I think I was in the office in London for a week and they said, Hey, we have, a an office in Amsterdam. Do you want to go? And I said, uh, I'd love to, you know, I think when you're young, it's the time to travel. So I went to Amsterdam for one year and then they had a, uh, they had an op- option to come to New York, to Chicago. And I thought great you know when you're young it's the time to travel before you have roots so i came to chicago i was here six months this is 2003 i think 2002 2003 and then i was they sent me to new york for a few months on wall street and then they said hey do you want to stay in new york and i said no way i was here in the summer so i was like they put me up in streeterville, a beautiful corner corner two bedroom and i and they said do you want to stay in new york i was like that's okay come back to Chicago, and I've been here ever since. So. Well, because
1: you came in the summer, because Chicago I, exactly. is beautiful in the summer.
2: I arrived June 1st, so yeah. The
1: perfect time. Perfect,
2: yeah, perfect time
1: for a <laughs> single young British guy to be roaming the streets of Chicago, Illinois.
2: Life could be worse. Yeah.
1: Well, we met, Lawrence and I met in our building. We were walking dogs, and we met in the building. Um, so I'm glad you went to Streeterville, because I've learned a lot from you. Um Trading. How did that go from starting off in Chicago to you ended up owning your own trading company, right?
2: So yeah. So with trading, I remember my first, you're on your own. They they put you in a pit. You have your own position. You know exactly if you're doing well or if you're not doing well. So um, I think my first full year trading, I think I made a million dollars and my company said, Hey, here's a hundred thousand. And then, and my brother, you know, I was young. My brother was like, Oh, that's amazing. You made a hundred thousand. I'm like, no, no, bro, I made a million dollars. They took 90%. <laughs> I kept 10%. Like, for what? Like, they didn't. And not only did they not do anything, they would actually handicap me. Like, if I had a, a position where I'm long something and the market's exploding and I can sell it for a profit, my boss, who was a terrible trader, but he was the boss, he would always sell the low levels and then he would tell me, Oh, you can't sell anything. And then, of course, when prices were collapsing, he'd be like, Okay, now you can sell. I'm like, It's too late. You know, I missed my window. So I made that money being handicapped by a terrible boss, you know. So after that, my friend and an older guy from Europe as well, he came over with me. He said, why don't we start our own company? You know, why are we working for these people? They're taking 90% of our money. And so, uh, yeah, so I called my dad. I said, Dad, can I borrow a quarter million dollars, buy some <laughs> trading seats, and set up a company? And I said, if it doesn't work out, I'll lose all your money. I'm going to get a corporate job, and I'll work really hard. I'll pay you back. But luckily, he, he's a great dad. He trusted me. He lent me the money, and I did very well, and I paid him back you know, several times. <laughs> several times over. That's <laughs> awesome. Exactly. And
1: I've met Lawrence's dad. If you think, for those of you that know Lawrence, he is a athletic marvel and climbs mountains and does all that stuff, and we'll talk about that. His dad is like two times the athletic marvel of him because your dad actually still climbs mountains and
2: bikes across countries and stuff, right? He's incredible, yeah. He's, so I'm about to turn 39. He's 30 years older, so he's just, just turned uh, 69. And he just got back uh, last summer. He did a three-month trip across the Pyrenees mountains between France and Spain, and he sent me a picture when he arrived. And he was just skin and bones, you know. He just carried carried what he could, and he's just he loves just being out there in the elements and just pushing himself and exploring. And he's he's really he's my like you know we talked earlier. You guys were talking about mentors, and I think that you know you definitely need to have different type of mentors, right? So when if when I was an amateur boxer. I wanted to box like I used to watch Mike Tyson videos like I want to box like Mike Tyson, but you know, I didn't want to have maybe I wanted to have the ethics of maybe the Dalai Lama. He's someone to look up to, he's so moral, you know. So I think for every area of your life, you should have your mentor. So I think for you know, for real estate, Mo is my mentor, you know, he's my good friend, right he's guy. been in the business longer than me. You know, I I learned so much from him. And then, you know, maybe from a lifestyle perspective, someone like Joe Rogan, he's always followed his own dreams, he's followed his own path, he's kind of created a life out of the life that he wanted. And um, my dad's the same. I, I look up to him because he's on paper very wealthy. He has assets, and he's always been very smart with his money. But he doesn't. He does what he loves, you know. And a lot of stuff he loves doesn't really require much money to put a backpack on and go around the world. But he's doing what he wants to do. He's not. He's not stuck in that rat race where you know oh, I want to buy the latest car and I want to you know update the house because it's been five years and just just. It's very hard. we live in a very superficial society, and I do enjoy nice things like anyone else, but you just can't let it take over your life. You have to be doing things for the right reason and I think you know look at i don't know if Elon Musk dressed as nice, but you know someone like Steve Jobs, he wore the same black turtleneck obviously his his scorecard was you know changing the world for the better. It wasn't about you know how many zeros in his bank account, so I think you have to be doing it for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, you I look up to you in the work life balance. So I, you know, my my dad was a workaholic almost like I am, but his whole life. And I look up to you because I see you kicking butt, doing really well financially, but then knowing when to pause and then take a break cuz you like taking a real big step back. You retired yourself in your early 30s and went on and became a professional fighter, which is which is pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I think and I think you know I made a lot of mistakes though so unfortunately, because i in my twenties I was all about being a success with my career, so I didn't really understand how much money I had until it came down to the fact i think I was just about to turn thirty and i didn't have a i drove my ex-girlfriend's beat up Chevy blazer
1: <laughs> I remember that thing in front of the you building could, I think
2: you could hear it coming she had, a, she had an accident with it so the front quarter was, was smashed in it looked like a t-rex took a bite out of the front you could hear it coming two blocks away you could hear just it, it made this horrible noise I'd get pulled over all the time police looked at me they're like this poor guy's broke driving this thing it was awesome so I lived in the same condo that I bought the very first year I first got a bonus I bought my condo then I drove her car you know I dressed very casually. I didn't spend any money. I was making all this money. You know, I would travel. I guess I would try to enjoy it a little bit, but I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I was just about to turn thirty, and I thought, man, I'm actually, you know, I've got a few million dollars. I didn't even realize it was all kind of tied up in my business, in the trading business. And I looked at my life, and I said, well, what do I do? Every day, I'm in. You know, I get to work at six, I trade till three, I have lunch, I take a nap at the office, and I go straight. At the time, I was boxing. I go straight to the boxing gym. I come home at nine, exhausted, have some food. Unwind for an hour and then go to bed. And at the weekends, great—I don't have to work. The market's closed, so I work out two, three times a day. And then, so I was like, "Well, that's obviously my passion." And you have to look at your life. You have a You—you you can be an incredibly—is it Rupert, Rupert Murdoch and those guys? You know, they're, they're in their seventies and eighties, and they're incredibly successful. You can—you can be very, you know, as an older man or older woman, you can be very successful in business at any age. And at the time, I thought, man, I could be 80 years old on a yacht in in the south of France, trading from 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 my computer. So I've got a lifetime to make money, but I have a very small window to do anything athletic, you know. So that's why I decided at 30 years old, I was like, you know what, I'd won the Golden Gloves as an amateur. I was doing jiu-jitsu. I got my blue belt, and MMA was just starting to, you know, to get kind of famous. And I was like, that would be such a challenge, you know. I'm naturally a very shy. I was a very shy kid, and. I'm definitely not the type. There's some type of fighters that if they weren't fighting professionally, they'd be fighting on a Saturday night after you know they've had five drinks. They got that. I was You're never not that at all. No,
1: I've I'm, never seen you like get angry at anybody right. physically.
2: Because I'm always so tired from training. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but so so I I thought for me I think one of the scariest things was over. Like when I was an amateur boxer, I was terrified. I looked at my opponents and I was like, I don't want to fight this big jacked guy. I don't. Wanna, I've got a no problem with this guy. I don't want to fight this guy. So it was always about you know facing the fear. And I think that's when I was like. I always had a fear of being an old man with regrets. And I think that that was the big thing when I was 30 years old. I was like, if I keep, keep my current projection, I'm gonna be 50 years old, multimillionaire, and thinking, well, for what? You know, like, I, I can never go back in time and do these things that you can only do when you're young. So I decided, I, I gave my trading company away to my, one of my good friends who's still trading, uh, Luis. And, uh, and I, took, I, just, I took about six months to kind of transition it's i had this this thing in my head where i thought well if i work you know a hard day in the trading pit and then i come home and i work out i was like it's gonna be so easy i'm gonna get up in the morning have a hard workout come home spend an hour learning spanish watch jujitsu dvds then i'll go back to the gym a second time i had no idea just training t- twice a day six days a week how much it takes out of you and you know in your early 30s it takes a lot out of you so it took it took a bit while to get going and then i spent five years i had um I probably trained for 20, I had one amateur MMA fight, nine pro fights, and I probably trained for about 20. But I yeah, had, you know, last that. minute, people dropped out last minute all the time, you know. I remember I,
1: you cutting so much weight and then people pulling out last oh, minute that's that awful. I, I remember that.
2: I pulled out of one fight about two weeks out because I had a, my hip was really locked. I couldn't get out of the car for the gym. So I was I like, that's that probably, not a, good, probably not, not a good time to fight. Apart from that, I had about, everyone else pulled out last minute on me, which is very frustrating. They got scared. Uh, yeah, well, you know what people do. People sign up. They're like, "Oh, do you, you know, do you want to fight? Like in six weeks?" Yeah, I'll fight in six weeks. And then after about five weeks, they're like, "Actually, I haven't trained that hard. My weight's kind of high. I'm not really in shape for this. So I just pull out." You know that? I think that happens a lot because it's not the UFC. You're not getting crazy amounts of money. So people are doing it more, at my level, the local level, it's more for the love of it and the, the challenge.
1: Yeah, because there's no money in it. P- like it, On the local very level, yeah, even, exactly. even when you get to the UFC.
2: Even though, yeah, the bottom guys in the UFC, I, I mean, they live on sponsorship and they live very humbly. Can't you know?
1: live on much sponsorship anymore because of Reebok, because <laughs> exactly. Dana White did that Reebok deal, it's, so they it's don't have rough. that yeah, much I mean, there's,
2: there's videos. It's really sad. Um, Coleman, who won, you know, won yeah, the UFC yeah. title, he won the Pride Grand Prix. There was a thing where he was selling his Pride trophy that's so sad and, and,
1: that's like heartbreaking to a guy who dedicated his whole life like a pioneer has to sell
2: his trophy to make ends meet it's really and there's so many guys back there you know gary goodridge has you know brain, brain trauma now he's not doing very good and all these people that they gave you know they gave their health and their life up and they got very little compensation now the guy you know the top guys are making a lot of money but you have to be t- the top you know top Two or three in your weight class to really make any money. That, that's
1: what I was more worried about because being your close friend, you were boxing. You had boxed for a long time, and then you were fighting pro MMA, so I sparring think- rounds, all that stuff. And you're a smart guy who reads a lot, and we haven't touched on that yet, but you've written you know, a book for yourself, all these things. I was like, man, how much longer is he going to let himself get punched in the head?
2: I will say I'm glad. I had a, a girl I was dating at the time, and she, she, she actually told me she wasn't the best girlfriend. That's why she's ex girlfriend. <laughs> she the, the one The one thing she said that was nice, she just said, you know, you don't have anything more to prove. Like, you've you got to look after yourself. But then I had one of my great friends in England, Robin, he called me, and he said, I had a couple of wins in a row. And he said, you've got nothing else to prove. He said, you're 35, you've got to stop. And I said, you know what, I just want to have one more. I want to do one more knowing it's my last fight. And that was a huge thing. And, and I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but... I've been searching for happiness. I've been obsessed with trying to search for happiness for 15 years. You know, I've read I've got a whole Library. shelf at home of books on happiness and finding happiness and the secret to happiness. There's a lot of things that I think, you know, you know, that try to do things where you're in a flow state or try to do things from an altruistic state. So it's so all these different advice for happiness. But I think the biggest thing, I think Benjamin Franklin said it, but I could be wrong. Um he said the secrets of happiness is the side to be happy. And I think it's – so basically it's about changing your perspective because anyone of you that's had the privilege to go to Africa and just see – or some other – you know, Southeast Asia, some very – some countries where if you make two U.S. dollars, you're in the top percent. You know, it's like that ch- – or like Mo, Mo and I, I'm famous for venting to you. And he's, he vents – we vent to each other. At like one or two in the morning. Yeah, we vent. We get frustrated <laughs> with things. And all you have to do is take a step back and reframe it from a, from a, from a perspective where – People would love to have my problems. And, yeah, it doesn't help because they're still your problems. But by reframing it and just changing your perspective. I agree. And I think – and that was my last – I remember a couple of fights before that. I remember distinctly looking up at my opponent, big jack guy, tattooed up. I looked at him and I thought, i got no problem with this guy. I don't want to fight this guy. (laughs) The opposite of how you feel when you have a road rage rage incident and you want to get out of your car and kill somebody. It was like – I I always felt – wish I felt like that before my fights. But I was always like – I I don't even know this guy. Why am I going to fight this guy? What's
1: funny is you and I don't have like outward aggression towards anybody until we're on the road. Yes, we do have road.
2: You know know why? Do you know why that is? I know. I don't. Because when you're driving, you don't realize it, but from a from a subconscious level, you're operating on a seven out of ten. You know, you're driving at fast speeds. You know, tiny fractions of a second, someone pulling out, you can you can have a crash. So without even realizing it, you're not like on a conversation. If someone upsets you you're going to be operating on a one, and it's going to take a lot to get you to a nine. But when you're driving, you're subconsciously, you're, you're kind of stressed, but it's at a subconscious level. So when someone cuts you off and you avoid a near accident, you're ready You're ready to get out of the car and fight. So, yeah. So no, it's, uh, it's tough <laughs> for us because we drive all day.
1: Nobody wants to get in a road rage fight with you because you, lo- you don't look like you're going to kill them, but they'd be <laughs> in a lot of trouble if they got out and started kicking your car or something. Cotter, <laughs> you don't look like you would like, I you got the say- glasses, the tie, yeah, you I don't was- look like you're going to, Beat somebody up I was saying the
0: exact same thing Like you know Most of my fights I've started off And they'll do the cutaways To you Like you know If it's like know, They got the screens going They'll cut away to Like to me And so at the end I always see like videos They give me videos And you know I'm in the corner I'm smiling You know I'm just like Having a good time Yeah Blah 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 They cut back to the other guys All like I was like Why is he so upset Like what the hell Like you know We're just Just gonna punch each other In the face for a
1: little while yeah, it's because it's more a sport. Like I like when you see two people get in a fight and they haven't trained, I feel like if you train with people in a gym, you get you, you figure out like this doesn't have to be like I'm gonna kill this guy. But some people need that to get themselves
2: crazy. Yeah. Well I think that's a I've great... had some
0: road rage though. I, I will yeah, I'm not gonna also, you know, so pit, like yeah you know, like just
2: I think that's a great point though. That's a great <laughs> point. That's a way to look at life though, isn't it? It's like we we have to compare ourselves to others because if you don't have any comparison you don't know where you are. But ultimately, we're only competing about against ourselves from yesterday. So I think the competition comes from two Greek words, com and patia, and it means to come together. And what you're doing is you're coming together with somebody else to get to that next level. Like You, you need an opponent to get the best best of you out, out of you. Yeah. And I think that's the way I always looked at it. I love my opponents because without them, what would I have? You know? But I think people that take it personally, it's it's kind of silly.
1: Going back to what you said about first world problems, happiness, I love that because you have. I've vented to you and you've changed my perspective. It's funny. John and I were talking about first world problems. We were talking about getting 1,000 followers on Instagram while we were setting the studio <laughs> back up again. And I was venting about how oh, I got to 1,000 then dropped to 980. John goes, first my world problems. My heart broke. My heart <laughs> yeah. broke for you, man. John's like, John's like, poor guy. He's like, I don't care about your 1,000 <laughs> followers. Come back to me with 50. But no, I think you're right. It's, my perspective has shifted a lot because of you. I, I take a step back a lot and I think about Wow, I really don't have that much to complain about. And yes, like when you've had a bad day, you're gonna feel like, oh man, this day, you know, was a tough day on me. But from a perspective standpoint, everybody sitting here has an incredible life, comparatively speaking to other people.
2: And I think that Tony Robbins is famous for saying that most problems are due to fatigue and exhaustion and frustration. So it's 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 always a tiny thing, and and it's like the last straw. So he said most of the time when you when you're having you're likely going to be hungry, so at a subconscious level, you know you're, you're ready to fight for your. You're hungry, as people is, is say. Is it, hashtag hungry. Ha- if you have a glass of water and five macadamia nuts, sit down and just take a few breaths. Normally, that's enough just to get you from an eight to a, you know, five or six. Just the the simplest, smallest things um, that definitely helps. But I mean, in our <laughs> we're in a very funny business where you used to vent to me about your problems before I was in real estate. And I didn't appreciate them until I have them. You know, pe- people people can be very selfish. And yeah, I've met some some of my clients have actually become good friends, and a lot of my friends are my clients. So there's a lot of crossover. But unfortunately, you know, people like you you, were t- you guys were talking about earlier, their problem is their only problem. But if you have 20 clients with problems, you have 20 problems. So their problem might be number seven on your list of priorities, and they don't really see that. And also, a lot of people, you know, I have some clients sometimes where I'll be at the gym for an hour and I'll. I just leave my phone on the side, and I will get back, and the same guy has left me four voicemails, sent me five texts, and two emails, and it's like, bro, like just wait, you know? Like we've become no. so impatient, <laughs> and that's and that's just and it's it's and the other thing is, I you know, I don't mind. I have I'm a late person, so Mo and I often talk. We work late. I start I start late. I work so if I work till two in the morning, I'm not gonna turn my phone on till nine nine or ten. That's just the way you know. I need a break. And I'll get these guys leaving me five voicemails at seven, which is fine. They're a morning person, but the same guys calling me at 11, 30, 12 at night, and it's like you know, I have some respect for my time. And I think that's something with you. You're so nice. You have fifty agents of the company, and I think that you, if I'm going to give you some constructive criticism, I'll take You, it. you have to be better about telling people like, "Hey, listen, I'm going to help you, but it is Sunday night." Just make them, because I think a lot of agents they don't realize, like you said, like they're, hey, they're main worried street about agents. Before
1: Lawrence finishes, listen to this. He's he's <laughs> about to give all of you guys some advice too. Yeah, it's like, yeah. like 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 you said,
2: you. you have a new agent. He's real excited. He has a guy that's buying a four hundred thousand dollars place. He's going to get a ten thousand dollars commission check. He's nervous, right? And he, and he's but it's like they need to respect that you're a human. You're incredibly busy, and you're a great guy. So you find it hard to say no. Respect your time. Don't text you after after nine o'clock at night. Don't text Mo. Wait till the morning. Wait till because he needs. Wow, he needs some I like time. this. <laughs> he needs some time to himself, you know. So I think, I think a big thing is you you have to set boundaries. And I think one thing that I learned from uh, reading reading about real estate when I first got in the business, and I love this. They said you have to teach people what to expect. So you, if I have to see my if I see a doctor, I just got elbow surgery. I have to get elbow surgery on the other elbow, take some bone chips out. I'm not going to call my surgeon at 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to wait True. off business hours. I'm going to call him at 10 o'clock in the morning when, he, when his office is open. And I think, you know, our business is not quite the same. So we do have to be somewhat flexible if it's a, a urgent thing. If your client wants to put an offer in a multiple offer situation, yes. It's, it, on a Sunday afternoon, yeah, you've got to get it in. Not, just because it's a Sunday, it doesn't matter. So, But to a large degree, you can have people respect your time. And Ryan, you know, I'm not a dad yet. Ryan's a dad. Uh, I think it's very important for... Every, for, for for us not to be resentful of the people we're working with, for, for your long-term sanity, I think anything with success, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So in order to have that longevity, you have to give yourself the personal time. And I think that's something that I've been good at before. But, you know, I've, I just moved last week and I was trying to buy an investment property before. And I've been working way too much the last three, four months and I feel very burnt out. And I'm not in a good place because my work-life balance has swung too far the other way. So I think it's very important. Like if you're a work-hard kind of guy, you have to be a play-hard guy and give yourself some natural breaks too. So now that you
1: just said you worked really hard and you're tired, what's the play-hard? Where are you going? Because Lawrence travels a lot. And then you can pack Ryan and I I I into your suitcase. We're not that big and take us with you. John might fit in a suitcase. Maybe not. But (laughs) we'll
0: take John too. I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight
2: too. (laughs) Actually, that's all my listings to do tonight. Book some tickets for my fiance. So we're going to go to Dallas. I'm going to do a tournament in Dallas. And then she has one of her good friends there who's um, very successful. And he has a beautiful, beautiful place. So we're going to go there. for. I'm going to compete. And then we'll spend a few days enjoying some some warm Texan weather. And I think two weeks after, I'm going to compete in Nevada. And then... Either stay there and relax in the sun. I, I need some sun. It's been it's been a long winter, or, or we'll go to Hawaii for a week after. So. You love Hawaii. That's like your spot, huh? I do. I do love Hawaii.
1: I've never been to Hawaii. Have
0: you been to Hawaii, Hawaii? Quiet, peaceful. I've only seen pictures. you only seen pictures? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's very, very – You know, it, it, um, I am now kind of more of a early morning, go-to-bed early type of individual. And you're pe- getting old. <laughs> yeah, sure. I've, you know it. Uh, but I used to be the exact opposite. Like there, there's an old phrase, you're – you're you're a rock star if you you know, come home at five thirty in the morning, and you're a rock star if you're leaving the house at five thirty in the morning. I've been both, right? <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've been the the guy coming home late. Uh, me and the missus when we first you know started dating, we just we'd go out eight nights a week. We had we had a blast, uh, and but now I'm you know at the morning person. So Hawaii never appealed to me because it's such of a, you know I think like I heard the bars go. They shut down at like eight o'clock. I was like, I can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> But now you're due. Now I can. Now I can. <laughs> I want to go. I, I have to go.
1: You know what I might do is maybe – Not this trip. So Jamie, if you're listening, we're not going with Lawrence in like three weeks. <laughs> but maybe one of the times you go because you're like the Hawaii expert. I'll go with you.
2: And but it's it's really cool. So one of my good friends, Eric Moon. He's a surgeon. And when I was shout out to Eric
1: by the he, way. He's we great. All love Eric. Uh,
2: he was when I was fighting. He would he would help me with my medicals. And he would he just he's just become a good friend over the years. And he's from Hawaii, and he's, he started jiu-jitsu actually 20 years ago. He's very humble, but he doesn't really talk about it. He had some MMA fights back in the day when it was style versus style. So he submitted a few guys. And he knows
1: everybody. So he, oh, he knows everyone exactly. in the jiu-jitsu world. So
2: all the guys that he started off with, you know, out of the 20 guys, maybe 10 or 12 of them were all black belts to have schools around the Hawaiian Islands. So yeah. he, I go there, and you know, I, sometimes I like to take a break. I'll arrive in Hawaii. I'll see on Facebook he's tagging me. He'll message all the guys have schools on the island. He's like, hey, my boy Lawrence is there. Show him some love. So I get these gym owners like, hey, come by. And then I feel obliged to come by. So it was actually really cool. Last time I was there, one of the guys just had knee surgery. And he said, hey, you know, you're know, you on an island, so you don't have – he said, my guys don't have too much access to all these high-level guys. And I've had knee surgery. He's like, can you come and teach a seminar and, and show some of your favorite techniques? And it was so cool. You feel like you're part of the community. Yeah. And uh, so I, I feel like Hawaii, Hawaii is my third home. That's after awesome. england and chicago so I, do you I do. find
0: like when you're, when you're there like that's i mean you become a local
2: exactly right that they they, they they took me under their wing and i have a i have a few good hawaiian friends here and one of my good friends always said he's like hey bro you're hawaiian you're you're an honorary hawaiian so uh, i just love i love the attitude there they have a they have a very uh, martial spirit you know they're, they're they're very famous for just loving to loving to fight they have that bj Penn style like just scrap uh, but they're also – they know how to relax and enjoy life too. So I, nice. I love Hawaiian people. Love the culture.
1: I'm a local like in Cancun, Mexico because I've gone so many times. <laughs> and I just get there and they're like, hola, Senior Dodger is here. And they're <laughs> like, I'm back.
0: I, the, Mexico is one of my favorite too, just like more of the Caribbean side. Um, I like, again, the, the going and becoming a local type mentality, Yeah, you know, getting going to different places, not the, the tourist place. I used to work in Cancun.
1: Really? Were you yeah. like the shop boy at Coco Bongo? I was Cuz you were yes. like a cowboy. That's where he was a cowboy John. He had a cowboy <laughs> hat guy. on in the Cancun, Mexico, guy. and he would go around. He was like the gringo guy with the cowboy hat. <laughs> Ryan Cutter looks
0: amazing at Daisy Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We was, figured was, it out. I was uh, my friend owned a travel company, and so I one of those jobs that I would take off, you know, and and go, you know, just hang out. Was I uh, was a a travel um, supervisor in Cancun, Mazatlan, Acapulco, um, Tapa—basically every major, you know, resort. Wow! Of. So I love Cancun and I love Cancun. I love Mexico in general. Me too. Um, so it's it's one of my favorite places to go. You worked a lot of jobs. A lot of jobs. So Lawrence, one
1: piece of advice, because you've reinvented yourself, or a couple pieces of advice. You've reinvented yourself a couple times. You've gone from very successful trader to, you know, professionally fighting, which was a profession. That was not, hey, I retired and just didn't do anything and just, you know, effed off. You actually went and took that as a profession. You were very successful and then reinvented yourself again. Any advice for somebody who's getting in business? Because it's... It's a trend. When somebody has a successful business or is a successful business person, you can typically remove them from that business, mm-hmm. put them somewhere else, and then they're successful again. You see so many serial business owners after mm-hmm. they, they have the recipe to success. They're just continuously successful. Anything that you think good yeah. advice for the people listening who want to be business owners who are or are in business and aren't as successful as you've been?
2: Well, I think – the one thing you touched on the serial entrepreneurs that are very successful i think that is due to work ethic in general like a lot of good athletes then become whatever profession they get into you know if you're a ncaa wrestling champion you have insane work ethic, so you can apply that to any other field um but i think you guys touched on it earlier definitely the, the mentorship you have to have people to learn from like you can it's so sad in our day and age myself included we so we have so much ADD with with our phones, right? So it's very, we don't have the attention span that a lot of people had, or that I used to have when I was when I was a grown up, before I had a cell phone. But I think that you have so much if you you, you have um, if you get a good book, like for instance Nassim Taleb. Um, Jay, Jay and I like him a lot. I like him a lot more. He uh, he comes across as a tiny bit pretentious, but say he he wrote a couple of famous books. I think the fa- most famous is The Black Swan. Uh, if you read one of his books, I've learned so much about life from reading that book. Not, and he's he's he has a background in finance, but he's a very big believer in in just taking time for yourself. He has a trading company now, um, but he takes he, he's famous. For, he says a professor every six years takes a sabbatical and they work on something, a project or something. He's he's always taking those times for himself and saying take a step back and improve yourself. So if you want to apply that to business. What a lot of people say, say in real estate is a great example. You start off in real estate, you say, I, I want to make as much money as I can. That's 100% the wrong approach. The right approach is I want to learn as much as I can so that I can provide service to people and I can build great relationships. And then from providing a great service and having great relationships, the money's going to come. But it's not going to come. If I start in real estate and someone starts and they just want to make money, maybe the first six months they'll make more than me. But in long term, who's going to be more successful? Obviously me, because I have a different approach. I think the big thing with any business is you have to is you have to know what you're doing. And you have to become very good. So I credit you. I mean, obviously I read I read widely in real estate when I first started because I didn't want to be that guy. When I'm out with somebody and he's like, Hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? I want to understand everything. And I was very conscious of the fact that I was new and I didn't. And I picked your brains. We used to walk our dogs, you know, almost every night. We lived in the same building. And I would pick, I pick your brains without even realizing just in our conversation, half the time you might not even realize, I learned so much from you over the first few years just from picking your brains. So you and my mentor, I'm working on actually providing, uh, actually knowing what I'm doing, but also relationships. I think that we have a good, have a good relationship with uh, with a couple of developers that are, you know, I get access to off-market buildings and things like that, and and it can it's going to really help my business, but it took you know i didn't make any money from those relationships for the first couple of years, but I wasn't trying to make money. I was trying to build something, and I think that's the key is 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 patience and and just getting the expertise first, and then you know the success will come
1: I love that that's great advice, especially for realtors because I know we have a lot of realtors listening. I know you have a lot of realtors listening, Ryan John does I do for sure, but any business owner in general I, I had somebody. A few weeks ago, say, hey, listen, you know, I I just got my law license, you know, uh, a year ago or something or or six months ago. I graduated. I got licensed and I'm getting a real estate license right now. You know, I want to be where you're at in two years. And I said, good. Like, and I'm going to sit down with this person and try to teach them the blueprint, because I'm a believer in giver's gain, I'm a believer in teach people, you don't need to like hold your information close to your chest. That's a big part of why we're doing this. We wanna teach people, we wanna teach entrepreneurs, we wanna put the information out there. But I think people think that success happens overnight, and there's, I mean, I've been at it for a decade now.
2: There there was a guy that was on Oprah Winfrey's show, geez, must be nearly 20 years ago, because I was still in England, and he said, it's always twice as hard to make half the money you thought you're going to make. So basically, you have to work twice as hard and your results will be about half of what you expect. And so what you just said is great. I think Leonardo da Vinci said poor is the student who doesn't exceed the master because the master is giving him the blueprint. So, yes, you know, if something took you six years and someone follows your blueprint and you had a lot of trial and error, but they can start from your methods at the beginning, maybe it will take them four and a half or five, but probably not one or two. And I think that everyone, especially in our society, you want we want the results without the work, and that's why that most of the, the really successful people that they love the process. You know, like um, who uh, who's the guy that has the uh, Bill Gates? He when that he, rich he, guy. Yeah, <laughs> he he loved coding. He didn't care about money. He was he was he was a geek, he was a nerd, and he loved like coding. And, and he would spend hours and hours in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, he would just be there all day, and he got really really good because he loved it. He wasn't doing it so he could have the world's most successful foundation and, and be the richest guy in the world, you know. So I think that's, and that's my, my big pet hate. And you see it in jiu-jitsu too. One of our good friends, Christian, he's uh yeah, he been doing jiu-jitsu 10 years and he submitted some new guy who'd been training six months and the guy's like, you know, cursing like, and he's all mad. And Chris turns to me and says, what does he expect How, if I put in? I've been training 10 years. The guy's been training six months. Of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be him, you know, right. unless he's a phenom, which, you know, does happen occasionally. But in general, people get frustrated because, you know, they're not where they want to be today. And actually, that's a good thing about happiness is I'm not where I want to be, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. I'm striving for something. You're not where you want to be. Otherwise, you would just stay in bed all day. You've got everything you want, right? So all of us are not where we want to be and we're all striving to improve ourselves and get what we want to get. But... If you live like that, you're going to have a very unhappy life because you're always going to compare yourself to other people. And again, I'm going to, I was mad at you because I, I, was, I was trying to give you some – you'd had a bad day, you were venting, and I was trying to give you some compliments. And I said, no, well, you've come so far. You have all these businesses. And it, this in particular, I'm really happy for you. I think this is a great one. And, and you said, yeah, but I'm not Elon Musk. Well, you said some comment. <laughs> Listen, there's 7 billion people. If you can pay yourself – Elon Musk is pretty much you know, top two right now, three in the world. You know, he's incredible. You'll you'll live you you can be you could be t- you could end up being top ten out of seven billion, but you're still up six. You're comparing yourself to number one. That's good advice. And my old trading boss, who owned my trading company when I moved here, very very wealthy guy. Um, he he lived in a building when Britney Spears was doing very well back then. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm in the condo building with Brittany. And he was complaining because she has more money than him or something. And I remember thinking like <laughs> – She had more he, money than everybody for a was, while. But he was complaining to me. I was a new trader making a $40,000 salary. And I was like, I don't want to hear this shit. You know, like why are you complaining to me about this? But it, so I think it's the, – the key to success is not being where you want to be because no successful person is where he wants to be. You're always striving. But being happy that you're on the path to where you want to be. And I think that's something that I've worked a lot recently trying to – because. The last you know four years i've been rebuilding my second career in real estate i'm definitely i'm closer now than i was four years ago but it's been a journey right I'm rebuilding but i'm happy that i'm taking the right steps and i think that's very important because ultimately no success is worth anything without happiness right like we're, right we're doing we do everything because we think that it's going to make us happy but from a biological level we're fighting our genes you know we didn't survive here our ancestors didn't reproduce and we're not here because we were happy because if you're happy you're just hanging out you're going to get eaten by a saber-tooth tiger so you, it, it's <laughs> there better our...
1: be none of those in river north when i walk outside right
2: but i mean I, you, you get the point so yeah, the, of course. the point is that we're always so it's in our genes not to be happy so that thing with adaptability they say that 6 months after someone becomes a paraplegic their happiness level is not that much different to before you know before they were they were um, injured Same thing with, you know, you come across extreme good fortune and you have, you know, a long-lost relative you didn't even know died and you get left 10 million. You have a few hedonistic weeks of partying. Six months later, your fundamental happiness, it hasn't changed. So I think that's very important. It's not the actual external events that make us happy. It's appreciation for where we we are and what we're doing. And I think that, for me, if I had to sum up happiness it's, it's going to be that Benjamin Franklin quote, deciding to be happy, deciding where you are is good enough to be happy. It doesn't mean you're not striving for things, but it means you're striving them from a perspective of being happy where you're at and appreciated for what you have got. Because you can always look at your cup and say, you know, it's half full and focus on what you have or you can focus on what you don't have. And I think you're, you're a little younger than me and you're a little bit more entrepreneurial focused. After I had my first success in trading, I lost interest of – I realized that it didn't really do much for me, so I was I'm kind of striving to be more like my dad, um, and and trying to work less and experience more. But I think that focusing on what you do have is just it's it's got to be the the thing that we strive for and being and, grateful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being, being grateful. grateful.
0: Uh, you know, one of the best tactics I've heard about changing that mindset, which is that mm-hmm. the, the the day is comprised of mindsets, right? Yes. You, know, you you start with one mindset or you start with another mindset, and to start with the, the best mindset is to wake up uh, there's a book called miracle morning i'm not sure if you they, they break down they break down what you should do every morning you know the the, the, the cliff notes out of the of, of the book are wake up one hour earlier and do these six steps one of the steps is you know just think for 10 minutes about what you're grateful for because when the, you start off the day with a positive man that reframes your whole day it, exactly that's hold amazing you could, advice you, th- you know, and then because there's there's challenges that that face us every day there's there's Difficulties that we we you know we have to deal with you know on, on multiple levels like me we all in real estate yeah. we're we're therapists for a lot of our clients right yeah, exactly. right so you know you got to be able to take that you know what they're what they're what they're projecting give a little empathy reframe it but if you start your day off with that that gratefulness and then something negative comes across. The fire comes up that we have to put out, right? right? You know, we're in a much better mindset than if you just wake up in the morning. You're like, oh man, you know. And well, I just... and that's
2: momentum is real. You know, there's yeah. reasons that sports teams have these insane winning winning streaks, and and you have bad losing streaks too because momentum is real. So if you like you said, you spend that 10 minutes reframing yourself and starting off in a positive mindset. That momentum will carry on through the day's challenges. And I think that's really great advice. That's something that I need to work on because I normally oversleep because I was up too late the (laughs) night before. And then my day starts off with boom, twenty messages. I'm like, oh my God. Before you get before don't before you turn your phone off. That's
0: what the book says, you know, no matter what what time you ever start, don't pick up your phone. You know, you and I should read that. That's gonna make you that's gonna put you right in the rat race, right? hundred percent. And, yeah. and that also gets a you big picture of the day.
2: It gets you on their schedule, not on your schedule. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: I love that. I, I, first of all, you and I should both definitely read that because I'm like you, I pick up my phone, I get stressed out in the mornings and I start my day off. Holy smokes. I got to do all this stuff right now. And then I'm running out of the house late and, and it frustrates me. This was cool, John. This was, uh, I think they're the best two duo to have on together. Cause Lawrence, you've been a big part of teaching me how to be happy, and I've looked up to you a lot. And recently I've met Ryan, and I I look up to both of you guys so much. And the advice you guys gave really helps not just business people but people in general who want to figure out how to remain happy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love it. That was uh, great advice for both of you guys. And both of you guys are guys, obviously, John and I want to have on the show regularly. So for those of you watching, if um, you loved our show, please like it, please share it it's Facebook Live right now, we're gonna get it up on YouTube. Please follow AE Wheelhouse. This is kind of exactly what we want our show to be like. We have two successful people who are gonna talk about their experiences. I've learned a lot from both of you. I mean, the mentorship thing for me has been huge and I hope people listening, you get a mentor. I feel get like I've failed, several. Several. I feel several. like i failed at that so far. I mean, I look up to people, you're a mentor of mine, my father's a big mentor of mine. I've had mentors in different things and. I feel like leaving this show today. I want to go figure out how to get more mentors because find I think the person, it's huge.
0: Just a quick little, mm-hmm. thing. it's find what again that person that you need in that specific part and. You have to ask them. And then you might even have to court them a little bit. Like, hey, I'm going to ask you to be my mentor. I'm going to come back to you if you'd say no right now. You, I, I, I'd like to read. Please don't say no
1: to me. Please yeah, don't
0: say no to me. But you know, sometimes in seasons in life, people are busy. Right, right? of course, so of course. It's and not that I don't want you to be my mentor right now You know, or you're too busy for it. But you know, seek that out. You have to seek that out. It's got to be a dri- driving purpose in your life because that's going to take you to the next level.
2: And I think it's a, a good friends that are kind of in the same path as you. Yeah. Uh, you, it's your duty of friendship to kind of keep your friends honest and keep them accountable. So, if you say to me, if you call me one night, we're talking, and you say, Hey, I'm really gonna, I wanna have this goal in three months, I wanna do this. And then a month goes by and you haven't really started the steps to do it, as your friend, I'm gonna say, Brother, you know, what's going on? So You've I done that, that to me a couple and, of times. Yeah, and in a good way, no, and, and I love and it. I think, but that's, and it's great. And I will say, uh, I don't know if Brad's listening, but Brad's been very good in, in the last 10 years. He's kept me accountable to things too, and he's told me some truths about you know bad relationships I was in or things I was doing that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And he's a couple of times pulled me aside. He's very introspective. And he said, hey, buddy, you got to make some changes. And I really, really am very grateful for him doing that. Um, you don't have too many friends because no, <laughs> you don't like to hear this stuff. It's not, It's not going to make him like you more as a friend. And Brad wrote a book. I did the same to him. He gave me a first draft and I kind of tore it apart and I gave it back to him with a lot of red lines through and I said, change this. And he was kind of upset with me about two years later, he turned around, and he said, brother, I want to thank you so much because all the stuff you said was right, but it took me a long time to process it because it was kind of insulting that you had all these, these critiques, but he took, the, he took it eventually. He made the changes. He kind of had the same viewpoint when he took a step back, and he wasn't personally offended, and that was awesome. You know? like, so we've both done that with each other a lot, and I think that if you have a couple of people in your life, you can keep accountable. I think it's great.
1: No, I love it, and thank you. I mean, you've been that accountability partner for me for now going on seven, eight years, and um, I, uh, I had a blast today. Thank yeah, you, guys. you guys hold
0: me accountable for some stuff. Yeah, we're going to hold you accountable. <laughs> we well, are welcome there. Well, first
1: of all, let's hold you accountable. Before we go, we do have to, well, we're going to reannounce the Real Estate Rumble here. Yep. May 17th yep. at the Park West. Mm-hmm. You get tickets at http colon slash slash what? Rumble. Dot com. Please show up. Please support the cause. The money goes to the kids. Ryan and Albron and Greg and everybody involved with it do such an incredible job. It's an amazing charity. Uh, I'm passionate about it. I know John's passionate about it. And um, I was going to say just one
0: more thing. Sure. Again. Obviously, the the, the the proceeds benefit Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. The the, the topic that we were talking about today, which is mentorship, Um The reason why I'm very passionate about uh, these organizations is because Chicago is like ground zero for lack of mentorship in young males, right? Mm -hmm. So on top of the whole thing, come watch some people get punched in the face, have some drinks, have some food, uh, but look at those two organizations, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or Mercy Home for Boys and Girls, and, you know, being a mentor to somebody um, in, in one of those organizations, it's 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 not very much commitment. Really, really is like you know you the people think like oh mentor I got to talk to this kid like you know a bunch of times you know it, they have such little mentorship in their life and the program's designed for you really just to kind of touch base them on, on the on the on a, on, a, on a small level you know and then you know you can dive in so it's it's. it's not overwhelming to be a mentor in one of those organizations. So I, I just encourage everybody to look a little bit more into it because we really need it here in the city of Chicago.
1: No, we really do. And I think it's a duty for those who are successful. I really do to help mentor other people. I think if you are a successful person, it's obviously due to your hard work, but other people have helped. Nobody is successful on their own because of themselves. So there is a duty to give that mentorship back. If you don't, You're a terrible, terrible person. But I I agree with you. And I'm off-air going to get your information. Pay Pay it forward. forward. Pay it forward. And uh, I've been very blessed to obviously have great mentors, um, you guys, and and people we spoke about. So I love that. So give back. Definitely show up to the Real Estate Rumble. If you still want to sponsor it, I know this. I'm going to add this at the end. Give Ryan Cotter a call and sponsor the Rumble. It's really cool. I've sponsored it from Main Street. I've sponsored it from Dotco Law. So May 17th. Weigh-ins next week, April 18th at Bottle Blonde. Come listen to some people talk crap get
0: right. in each other's faces a bit have um, a drink or two again we'll have a 50 50 raffle all the proceeds from that as well. well go to big brothers big sisters so it's just you know good events bringing the community together i love it guys
1: thank you for tuning into our first um ever live wheelhouse john and i are excited to be doing this every single week three o'clock on Wednesdays central time we're going to be hosting charities entrepreneurs business owners influencers boxers, MMA folks, these guys. I love it. Thanks, guys. I hope the feed was great. John and I have been working really hard in the studio to get this thing airing perfectly for you guys, and I can't wait to see you guys next week. Thanks again, guys, and uh, tune in. Three, two, one.